Welcome to Casey by Sari, a podcast for Kansas City enthusiasts. I'll take you behind the scenes and you'll learn why this Midwestern gem is so special. In today's episode, I talked to Kemet, part owner of Vine Street Brewing, the first Black-owned brewery in Kansas City. Kemet shares the power and responsibility he feels of being part of Vine Street and leading the path for future business owners. Here's Kemet to talk about the love, blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into Vine Street Brewing. Street. This is so exciting. I haven't been to the spot yet, so I was excited to to come. Obviously, we are here a little after hours. It's just us, which yep. is pretty cool too, just to be here and get to really see it. I love getting to see a business, especially like right when they open, uh-huh. in terms of like hours of the day, just because I love to sort of be one of the first people in and yeah. really kind of take it all in myself. So mm-hmm, thank mm-hmm. you for letting us be in oh. here in person. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you. What does it mean to you to be part of the first black-owned brewery in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a huge honor. Um, you know, having that title is something that is it's something that I have a, a responsibility to to uphold, but also leverage. Um, you know, because behind me are folks that also have aspirations of opening up a tap room or a beer brand or just a you know, craft beverage, something a little bit outside of, you know, the typical nine to five or, you know, folks that don't necessarily fit into the mold of getting a college degree and going to pursue a career, the traditional route, uh, beer is a great avenue for that. Um, and for me, I'm a musician, right? So like, this is was something that was great uh, for me to, to do in addition to music because it allows me to channel my creativity through it. So, um, you know, for, for, for me personally, it's, it's huge. I love it. I love the, the, the challenge of it. Um, I've never really shied away from huge challenges. I think they're very great. Um, and also, you know, there's a great way to celebrate Kansas City and to show how supportive the city is for ideas like this. We've gotten a lot of love um, where, you know, a lot of times you hear a lot of negative um, negativity in the news out there. So to have something that's positive in this neighborhood um, it's a huge opportunity and a huge, um, a huge honor. And speaking of this neighborhood, mm-hmm. I want to ask how intentional was this location? You know, which came first, the location or the name? Because you are Fine Street Brewing. So yeah. how, how intentional was that decision making when looking for a space? Yeah, it was very intentional, actually. We didn't have a name um, until um, maybe a few months after we decided to, to have the, the business here. I know that we had looked at different locations. Um, there's a location off of Indiana, which um, a partner and I own a business there or own a building there. So we kind of that was our like kind of test kitchen, if you will, for our uh, original recipes. Um, and you know we're like, oh, you want to do it here? And then we were like, oh, I don't really think the neighborhood's really ready for it yet. Um, so you know we looked around the city and we thought about different places that would benefit from having a black-owned brewery. And we thought, you know, there's several neighborhoods that could benefit. I mean, we looked at, you know, the Northland because Woody's from up there, my partner Woody. Um, we looked at Brookside because, of, you know, it'd be not really cool to be close to BKS and um, and um, and Waldo with uh, Casey Beer Co. But ultimately, we thought about kind of what our legacy is and what, you know, how we could leverage who we are as individuals 
and this location really spoke to us. Um, it's, I know it spoke to me for sure as someone that's a musician and has played, you know, jazz venues that are down the street and um, has really loved everything that the history of this this area. Um, it was huge for me, but then when my two partners saw this building and the space, they immediately fell in love with it outside of just the fact that we're in the jazz district, uh, just because of how unique it is, a 150-year-old building um, that used to be owned by the city and with beautiful stone and uh, arched, win huge arched windows, two levels, you know, almost two acres out back. So had a lot to, a lot to provide. And this is also a pretty significant nexus for tourism. Um, as well as just community members that are, you know, frequent to this neighborhood. But there's also a subgroup of people that don't come down here at all. And so there's a huge opportunity for, for us to tap into those people who now have something to do before and or after they go to the Jazz Museum or the Negro Leagues. Yeah, as you said, this area obviously is so historic to Kansas City and holds so much in the heart of what makes Kansas City, Kansas City, and there's so much history here and there are those tourism spots. So mm -hmm. how have you seen this area change and evolve since Vine Street opened? Yeah, I mean, what I've seen is huge, huge growth. Um, and I think we've been able to leverage the brand in a way that is beneficial for everyone. Um, beneficial for the community because now we don't have an entire um, block of Vine Street, Kansas City's most famous street that's vacant. Uh, now there's actually activity here and cars here and people and people walking around. Um, and, you know, since we've came, you know, other developments have started to follow. So we've kind of had that catalytic effect. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. And then also just citywide, you know, folks that typically wouldn't come down here um, are, are coming down here. And, you know, they go to the all the other uh, establishments that are nearby, like Soiree or, you know, um, the Jazz Museum and Blue Room, all those things. Um, we, I mean, I think that it's been a huge uh, opportunity, but there's more to go. I mean, there's still a lot of opportunity left to do. I mean, across the street is the castle. Who knows what's going to happen there, right? So um, that's a lot. That's a fun thing to think about. Um, and then also, you know, with the new apartments that have just been um, that have just opened on 19th and Vine, more residents are, are, are going to come. There's more density that's going to be here. More people that need um, that need amenities. And so we're. Yeah, we're excited about all those things. You mentioned that you're a musician, so mm -hmm. you have a background in music. How did you get into craft beer? How did you find this hobby and eventually find this business? Yeah, well, being a musician in Kansas City, sometimes you're, you wind up broke, so you need a part-time job. <laughs> so I didn't want to just work at a desk, so I, I decided to work at, um, at a brewery, and that brewery is Boulevard Brewing Company. And I didn't really know much about craft beer, but I knew that they had a pretty strong brand. I'm also, I also have a marketing brain. I'm the marketing person here. Um, so, you know, I knew that their brand was really strong and I knew that they had a very loyal following and, you know, something to aspire to as a musician. It's like, okay, that's a cool, you know, way of, of, of leveraging products. And as a musician at the time, you know, um, didn't really have a product to sell per se, you know, streaming was, huge um, and you know at that this was 2013 so you know no one's no one's cars or even having CD players anymore so um, so yeah so I decided I was like okay um, the craft beer has a product that kind of sells itself I mean it's the third the third most popular beverage on the planet um, and also there's huge you know benefits and opportunities with the artwork 
um, and you know just the branding and all that stuff. So I really wanted to have fun um, with all of that combined. Are you partial to any kinds of beers? There a beer for you that is your favorite to make, and is there a beer for you that's your favorite to drink, or are they one and the same? It's kind of tough to make that call. A lot of people ask me that. I kind of don't, to be honest with you. It's really seasonal for me. So if it's cold outside, I really like stouts, or I'll do like a malt, like something very malty. Um, you know, if it's summertime, I really like something crushable, like this. You know, paper bag thin. It's it's it's, it's crushable. Um, you know, but you know, in between those seasons, I usually like an IPA, usually a hazy. But I, I love pale ales. You know, I like. I'm starting to like sours. Um, yeah, I kind of just. I like. I like. It just kind of depends on the season and the flavors. Um, I'm trying to think. There's not really a style. I mean, I would say the style I probably like the least is is sours, just because I don't like the. I don't like super puckery stuff. Um, but other than that, I'm kind of fair game. I feel like that's probably the best way to be, especially when you're the creator, one of the creators of what you're drinking. It'd be mm -hmm. kind of hard if you felt really strongly about one yeah. kind of beer, especially like stout. If mm -hmm. you were diehard stouts all the time, it'd yeah. be really hard for you to try some other right. other beer and other recipes, especially if you're trying to make something. Yeah. New. So it's probably good to have like a, a wide variety of taste buds for yeah. the beer you're making. It certainly helps, especially, you know, because really, we're here, um, we're, we survive because of the market and what they want and what they're able, what they want to buy. So, you know, if my tastes don't match with, with what that is, then, you know, that's a huge disadvantage. So I, I'm blessed and happy to have kind of a wide ranging kind of like evolving, you know, palate or appetite for different styles of beer. Uh, and I think most and pretty much everybody on the team um, is like that. What have you loved most about being part of Vine Street Brewing? What has been the most fulfilling for you? You know, I really love all the different people that I meet. It's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, the folks that have lived, lived here for 20 years or the folks that grew up here, moved away and came back in town to visit, you know, um, and their childhood home was up the street, um, or the folks that, you know, like I said, you know, live you know, in the western part of the metro, like in Olathe and stuff like that, that come down specifically for us. That's cool. Um, you know, we've got folks travel all the way from across the world to come here, um, and I think that's pretty awesome. So, you know, there's that, and then also I think, you know, just the opportunity to create something that's constantly exciting for people, something that people can look forward to. You know, I don't know how many people scrub our blog and kind of wait for us to release things. Um, but, you know, there are people there that when, when we post on social, they're like, I'll be there, you know, and that's pretty special. Um, otherwise, you know, I really love the artwork. I love just the creative direction of, of you know, being a part of the brewery. You know, the, it's really a true reflection of kind of our styles um, as well as, I mean, those styles are enhanced because we have such a great branding team with Whiskey Design. Um, but to be able to, 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 to reflect the artistic kind of um, DNA of this neighborhood, is pretty special. This neighborhood specifically is so filled and enriched with arts in all, all forms. I feel like that has to be another mark of how special it is that this is a location you chose and how part of the community you have become and people in the community, as you said, close by, mm -hmm. far away, are coming to support you and seeing that art and that talent and mm -hmm. that come through your beer. Also the location, you have art on the wall, mm -hmm. on the tables. Mm -hmm. It's 
in every aspect of your business. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And certainly it's great to have a neighborhood, to be in a neighborhood that supports that. <clears throat> and also just the creativity within the beer itself is really, really cool. You know, um, my partner Woody for his birthday released a birthday cake stout. It was a stout birthday cake flavor. It was amazing. It was one of my favorite beers that we've done. Um, you know, our other partner, Annie, who runs the tap room, she released a uh, lavender vanilla coffee stout, which was also great. Like, I don't really like coffee. In fact, I hate coffee. But for whatever reason, I like coffee stouts. So that was really cool. So there's a lot of creativity that goes into it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of collaborations that are really fun about it, too. I will say, back to your other question about, like, what's my, one of my favorite things about the breweries, about having a brewery, is the collaboration. You know, before we opened, we collaborated with almost 30 different breweries in Kansas City and as far away as Denver. Um, and so that was a really cool experience for us because um, we got to work with some really great minds in the industry um, as well as, you know, making new friends along the way. So, you know, by the time we got opened, it really felt like we had a family to, to support and also lean on in certain, certain situations. So, yeah, I mean, all of it's been really great. Kansas City is such a great place for breweries, especially because they're each so different. Each one is so unique in a different way. And obviously there are a lot of craft beer drinkers in Kansas City. I know a lot of people who have the goal of trying to always find another brewery that they haven't been to, trying new beers, trying seasonal beers. Yeah. How often are you rotating out the beers that you have on tap? Yeah, so my job is the marketing director. So I am in charge of making sure everyone knows about what we're releasing, scheduling things out, all of that stuff. And my partner, Elliot, primarily manages the beer release schedule. So my job has been very busy so far. <laughs> so I will say, I don't know, it maybe at this point, I think it's been maybe three beers a month on average. You know, it depends. If we have a collab, sometimes sometimes four. I will say it's usually three or four. We're, and I think we did that in the very beginning because we've been open for about seven months now. Eight, almost eight. I don't know. I forget. Six, six or seven months, something like that. Um, and we wanted to make sure we were responsive to what people wanted from us. So, you know, some styles may never come back. Some styles may come back. You know, we released... Um, a saison when we first opened and it was it's called the hood saison and um, we had some beautiful artwork that hadn't been released because at the time we didn't can our beers and so it was just on draft and so no one got to see the artwork um, and it's this kind of American Gothic um, meets Thomas Hart Benton meets like Friday the movie you know type of vibe like it's it's like an african-american kind of interpretation of of those styles um and that's the name of of um the name of the beer is called the hood saison and it was named after somebody who works or it was named by somebody who works for us now we were um several a couple years ago we had released or not released but we had made this like unnamed unlabeled beer and i went on his podcast and he tried it and he loved it. And he was just like, oh, this is the hood saison. And I was like, man, I love that. So that name always stuck. And then I told him my partners, he was like, you know, that could be a cool name. So we stuck with it. And so that's another thing that's just really cool. It's like what starts an idea is kind of like manifest physically into something that kind of catches on. So, so yeah, 
Are there any dream collaborations that you have or collaborations that are in the works you'd be able to go into detail about? Um, yeah, I mean, we've done a couple of my dream collabs. Like, collaborating with Boulevard a year ago was really great. And not only was it a Boulevard collab, but it was a collab that um, also featured the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and Buck O'Neill. So it was a comm commemorative beer for Buck O'Neill. We brewed it on their system, which is huge compared to ours. Um, and that was a lot of fun being able to, to, to do that with them. Um, you know, otherwise, I would love to collaborate with other black-owned breweries across the country. We've done one with one so far, um, and but I would love to collaborate with Crowns and Hops, you know, in Inglewood. I'd love to collaborate with Hip and Hops in, in Atlanta, um, Atlantucky in Atlanta. Um, yeah, like, there's a ton that I would love to. Funky Town in Chicago. There's a lot of really great um, black-owned breweries that are starting to come online. Um, and we, we tend to, you know, support each other in a lot of different ways. So, um, you know, having that would be a great opportunity. But we are doing a festival um, this September, and we're inviting some of them, you know, some of these national black-owned breweries to Kansas City for the festival. So be on the lookout for that. What are some challenges you faced with being a business owner, whether mm -hmm. that's specifically on the business side, juggling personal yeah. music, yeah. you know, what are, what are some challenges that you've really had to face since being, being a business owner? There were a lot of challenges, to be honest with you. First challenge was trying to figure out how to fund this thing. You know, it costs at least a half a million dollars, um, mostly for the brewing equipment, uh, to, to be able to even open a brewery that's worth doing. Because, you know, you could have a smaller system, but your margins um, might not reflect the work that you put in. Uh, or at least the way that you want it. So you want something that's big enough to where you can scale and it, you know, it generates money, you can hire folks and stuff like that. So that was, you know, number one thing we had to tackle. The brewing equipment, the space, like how do we find a space and how do we make it our own? You know, how do we move in? Like what do, how do we, where do we get equipment from? Like what kind of equipment do we need? What do we need? Who do we need that specializes in what to make sure everything's hooked up correctly? Um, and those are things that we've never really had to deal with before. So that's where we had to lean on our, our friends in the brewing industry and, and partners and say, you know, how do, we, um, how do we go about finding someone to hook up our draft lines, you know, for instance. How do, um, you know, luckily with our brewing equipment, Quality Tank, they were our consultant as well and kind of helped us um, along the process of installing. Um, otherwise, we would have had to figure that out our, by ourselves. And so that's a huge thing. Um, the other thing I will say that's probably unique to us, when we first announced, you know, I forget when it was to be honest with you, but it was at least two years ago, we had a lot of hype around it. So with that hype, you know, how do you keep people excited for almost two years, especially when we, we were delayed by a year? So that's another challenge was how do you manage delays? And so, um, so you know, from a marketing perspective, I didn't want to lose that momentum. So we had to really get creative and strategic about how we keep how we keep people's attention and that's where the collaborations came in but then also we you know we, we started selling merchandise so you know we became basically a merch company for a year and sold uh, quite a bit of merchandise so not only did we you know gave us a little bit of income but it also got our, our branding and our logo out there and people are our ambassadors as they were at a, around town so those are some of the unique challenges that you know we faced um, the other challenge that I will say that a lot of businesses encounter, especially um, month three or four after they open, is the dip. There's a huge dip that happens, and then you're like, oh, crap, 
<laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and so you look around and it's a little lonely. Um, but from what I've heard, and this is kind of what it is, you just got to push through it and you just got to make sure that you, um, you keep, you know, keep, keep the product consistent, um, keep your hours consistent, um, make sure that, you know, your marketing is tight and making sure that, you know, for us, we went back to what we started. Okay. Let's keep collaborating. You know, how do we collaborate with not just other breweries, but how do we collaborate with nonprofits and, you know, community members and party throwers and folks that do cool stuff in Kansas City. So those are some of our unique challenges to us. Especially with your marketing brain, are you constantly sort of scrolling social media or really doing your own research of, mm -hmm. okay, how can you continue to elevate Vine Street? breweries marketing well you know luckily there's no shortage of content you know with with all the beer releases with all the news um you know for us we've been really blessed you know to to have such coverage um you know so for us there's really no no shortage of of content i think the challenge has become or an and, and this is something that we always work on and probably most brands work on, is how do you convert fans to customers? So on social media, it's like, you know, you've got a lot of fans, but are they actually coming to the tap room or are they purchasing a Vine Street beer at the restaurant and bar? Are they even in town? You know, like some of our, some of our fans are, they live in California. They're like, when are you guys shipping? You know, so really kind of balancing that. It's been a balancing act. Um, and as a brand that, you know, probably has potential to be a national brand, it's my job I've taken on at least to kind of make sure that on a national and a regional level we're also represented so you know I just went out to California to represent us you know um, you know we're working on partnerships um, regionally as well with you know Whole Foods and things like that just to leverage our brand as much as we can so that you know the folks that are at hungry for us at home get what they want and the folks that you know are excited to see growth and potentially come to their their area um, you know, there's a little bit of hope there instead of them maybe be like, oh, this is, you know, this is never going to come to me. So let me just unfollow. <laughs> but our story is pretty strong, too. So a lot of people follow us for our story and they like to see us succeed. So there's a lot of different different angles that um, that kind of help us in that journey. Where can people find your beer located outside of the actual brewery? Yeah, we're we're on tap at almost 100 locations in Missouri and Kansas. So you can find those locations on our website. There's a beer finder. So if you just go on a website and search for the beer finder, it'll say all the locations in Missouri and Kansas. And um, we try to keep that up to date, but we, there is a disclaimer. It's like, hey, make sure you call or you know send a message to the place to see if it's still there. We just get the data from our distributor from what place carries us. So we just take that straight from the distributor and put it on the website. So um, for the most part though, it's usually pretty accurate. And if they don't have it at the moment, it's because maybe they ran out or you know maybe you know they're waiting on a shipment from the distributor, so yeah. When you are able to put work aside, which I know as a business owner, mm -hmm. feels nearly impossible yeah. to do, but when you're able to put work aside, what does life in Kansas City look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I like to support my friends that are doing cool stuff. I've got a lot of musician friends, a lot of artist friends, a lot of restaurant and bar owners that are friends, um, a lot of brewery friends, and a lot of uh, folks that also are just community, you know, driven individuals, whether that's in the nonprofit space or, you know, the uh, com commercial or residential real estate space um, or in the political space. Um, I, I try to 
try to make my rounds whenever I can, um, you know, and, and if I'm not doing that, then I'm typically just in the studio, just making music. What would you describe as your music style? Um, I would say my music style is, you know, pretty fun. It's upbeat. Also can, you know, can have a good message. But, you know, I, I, my music is pretty danceable. So whether that's with my band, The Fantastics, um, you know, eight-piece funk band, or my solo material, which has really spanned different genres, but typically has something that's kind of dance forward. Um, and hip hop forward. Mostly, people know me as a rapper, um, but you know, rap is kind of one one tool in my toolkit. Um, but yeah, I would say it's definitely dance forward, diverse. It's funky, it's jazzy, it's hip hop, it's electronic. Um, yeah. You mentioned obviously you have a lot of friends that are also creators and business owners in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite local businesses to go support, like on a weekend, on a Saturday, if you're free? Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah, I mean, so a couple places. Like, I have my steady places, which are, you know, like Soiree down the street, or uh, Regaza, the Italian restaurant on Main Street, or, you know, I like Lula, um, Southern Cookhouse. Um, I also really love pretty much any genre of Asian food. So, you know, whether that's Barami, Thai food and the Crossroads or, you know, Taj Palace on 39th Street. Um, I love Thai, I love Vietnamese, I love all the different types of Asian food. It's like Indian, like all of it. Um, And, you know, I'm also lactose intolerant, so I like to find places that allow me to like eat freely. So that's why I tend to lean I tend to lean like towards like either Asian food or vegan, to be honest with you, because that's my safe zone. Um, but don't get me wrong, I'm not a vegan. I also like Gates Barbecue. Um, I love I love a lot of barbecue actually. Gates just happens to be my favorite, and we're family friends. But um, yeah, I would I do a lot of that, and also like I like to go to the movies whenever I can. You know, the at Union Station, there's the big screen there, so whenever they have like a blockbuster, like. Um, you know, big movies that they play there. I usually go there with my kids. I also have two two children, so um, you know, spend time with them at Science City. So I like I don't know. I kind of just go all over the place. Usually around here, if I go to the suburbs, it's kind of like a, I call it a suburban adventure. But I do like going there too because it's kind of like you know, at this point, I'm kind of a public figure, so I don't really. When I go the further out, the less people kind of know who I am. When I'm around downtown and midtown, like I pretty much know somebody somebody like whether they saw me somewhere or like I know them personally so like I like to go on the fringes sometimes that way I uh I can I can kind of just be a normal person (laughs) what do you think Kansas City could do as a city to be better yeah we need density so I think we need more people in 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 the space that we have um I think we've got I mean Kansas City expanded massively during the 40s, 50s, and 60s during suburbanization, which happened across the country. Kansas City was played a huge part in that, mostly because of J.C. Nichols. Um, and so with that, the tax base kind of spread out. So we have a situation where the metro, um, the city limits expanded with that tax base to try to recapture the people and their money as they started to go out into the fringes. So we have a gigantic city. You can fit three San Francisco's inside of Kansas City's metro. 
So with that comes a lot of space and a little bit too much space. You know, you can have whole, you can have the most famous street in Kansas City is completely blighted. This street, like Vine Street, is the most famous city in Kansas City. And there's a whole block without us being here that would have been vacant. So the density is huge. Not only will you have more people that have more ideas um, and, you know, just more unique creative collisions, but in my opinion, you have probably more safety because, you know, a lot of times, things go down when there's no one looking around. So there's a concept called eyes on the street, where if you have more density, then you got more people looking at things. We got, you know, it would be nice if we had enough people to have a 24 hour city, much like New York or Chicago, or, you know, any much more dense city. I do like the fact that we have, you know, residential neighborhoods, like for single family um, occupants, but, you know, I still think there's a lot of room for us to go vertical with our real estate. And I think we would benefit hugely because it would then justify much more um, robust, um, much more robust, robust public transit. A lot of people are like, why would I do that? I can just hop in my car, you know, come from North KC to go downtown, not a big deal. But, you know, imagine if we had more density and it, it made sense for you to actually ride on the streetcar, ride on a public transit or light rail or whatever, and just go from the airport to downtown or the airport to Oakland Park. You know, wouldn't that be great? Well, I and historically, when I've asked that question of podcast guests, the first answer is always transportation. Mm-hmm. And then you find people who seemingly are against the transportation expanding in Kansas City. And yeah. I like can't grasp the concept of why someone wouldn't want that. Yeah. Especially because, you know, if people complain about, oh, the parking downtown or mm-hmm. parking in various neighborhoods, well, if there's public transportation, you wouldn't have to worry about driving your car. Or we live in Waldo mm-hmm. and we'll ride the bus downtown mm-hmm. or to River Market if we're going out on a Friday night. Yeah. Not, not drinking. On yeah. Ubers. Yeah. So like that. And it still surprises me how many people don't know that we have a system at all or how many people depend on that bus system mm-hmm. the fact that it's free yeah and mm-hmm. you know it took us having a friend living i mean i'll be totally honest it took yeah. us having a friend living downtown mm-hmm. who would come to our house and be like yeah i'm like where'd you come from yeah yeah, yeah. Like, just hopped on and hopped on the bus and mm-hmm. i'm like yeah that makes so much sense like why is that not something we're all thinking about so i get mm-hmm. confused when people have the argument of why would i want that to grow and I can hop in my car and it's like well don't you want the city to continue to expand and why not use the resources that we have and continue to grow those resources oh my god there's so many great great points there I really think you know you can take your time back too like you know a lot of people like oh it takes so long to get from go on the bus well you know what you can do on the bus you can work you can't work while you drive you know like I took the bus the other day because my my car was in the shop and I just got reminded how wonderful it was because I just sat back and relaxed and I just put some music on and I just worked on my phone and then I was at my stop and I was just like, wow, this is great. And the other argument that's really silly, especially when people talk about the ballparks, oh, can't find parking. Okay, well, how many, how much, you're walking 20 minutes to get to your car from the stadium. So you're gonna be doing the same thing down here. Like say you park 20 minutes away, like what's the difference? The difference is you actually are going to cross paths with other cool people. You might actually cross, you know, see a, a business you might want to support instead of just walking past cars. 
So it's a really silly argument that I think a lot of there's a huge stigma here with public transportation, and and it's by design. I mean, it's, the city is a very auto-centric city. We went from having the third most robust streetcar system in the country behind Chicago and New York and San Francisco to having nothing. <laughs> they all got either pulled up or covered over by pavement and then the automobile came rolling around and next thing you know we've got a very car-centric city. So we've got the roots here. I think we'll get back there but it's going to take some time and some convincing and we're, you know, one side of the metro at least is the show-me state so they're stubborn. Um, and I think people will eventually benefit, they'll see the benefit of it. I think there are a lot of naysayers with the streetcar, and there still are, but I think there were a lot of naysayers that were like, this is stupid, why, it's only 1.23 miles, like why would I do that? But that has been such an engine from the cro for the crossroads. Um, and also, not only just for folks that are, you know, uh, frequents of the crossroads, but also folks that don't have transportation that wanna get, you know, from deep downtown to, Union Station and, you know, catch the bus, go east or west or whatever, you know, like huge opportunities there. People in Kansas City are explorers. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a niche group of people who are explorers, maybe a little more similar to myself. Yeah. But I think there's such an opportunity to capture on people to get out of their neighborhood, especially people in the suburbs. Yeah. And it just in different areas when mm -hmm. you have the ability and the, again the resources oh, yeah. to go and explore people coming here going to Vine Street yeah and people and this isn't to put anyone down who's from here and hasn't explored Vine Street because mm -hmm. there are plenty of people yeah there's still so much opportunity to capture on those people and mm -hmm. as you said just we have to do that by having businesses like yours and yeah. businesses around mm -hmm. to say hey I'm gonna spend a day in Vine Street I'm gonna yeah. If you do drive your car or if you take the bus, like, hey, I'm going to park. I'm going to make a day out of it. Right. I do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's fun. It's great. That, but, like, I'll spend the day, hey, I'm going to go to the west side. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab some breakfast, maybe some coffee, and just walk Check it around. Out. Obviously, it's a little too, it's warming up. But it's a little chilly right now, yeah. a little slippery outside to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. do that in the winter. But there's a chance for people to, to get out there. They just need to know about it. I know. And that's that was one of the things, and my last point here, because I know I, I could talk about this all day, but that is one of the things that I, because I did a song called The Streetcar Song back in 2014, and I was one of the first, if not the first, just member of the public to get on the streetcar before it went public. And they allowed me to do a music video on the streetcar, so they let me basically ride around with a driver on the streetcar for several hours while I did a music video to this song. And the reason I did that song is because I wanted Kansas City to see, like, this is cool. Like, this is cool, guys. Like, we don't, this is, and, and it's not that people don't think a streetcar is cool. I just think people don't connect. Like, they don't, they don't, they don't have, people haven't had the opportunity to see how, um, you know, maybe the vision to see how a streetcar could affect their experience downtown. And so that was what I wanted to do with that music video. And that's where I think those marketing opportunities come in handy. Um, because without marketing and sales and stuff like that, people don't, you know, we, we rely on that. I mean, just think about how much of a, um, a tradition shopping is. And so, you know, that's pretty much what it is. Marketing is kind of like, okay, here is what you can do. And here's how you can experience it. So... 
yeah, I think there's huge opportunities and people like yourself, you know, with this podcast and all the things you're doing in Kansas City to connect those dots and to show people what's possible because, you know, a lot of people don't just, a lot of people need, they need people to document and they need people to share. And so, you know, the storytelling is a huge component of all of that. So I would say anybody that wants to see that change, just keep sharing. I think it'll catch on. Yeah, that's always been my main goal with the podcast is I want the people who say, oh, there's nothing to here, there's nothing to here, it's so boring. Yep. I've made it my personal, <laughs> I don't want to say vendetta, but I yep. definitely made it a personal goal mm-hmm. to take that mentality and say, what are you doing yeah. to change that? Like, uh-huh. things don't come knocking on your doorstep to say, right. hey, yeah. I'm here, come support me. Like, you have to do a little bit of the work. Yeah. And especially with... Kansas City being a little more spread out. You mm-hmm. mentioned, obviously, the density mm-hmm. of Kansas City. You do have to put in a little more of the work. Yeah. But by a little, I mean a little. It's it's, it's less work it's, than traveling, you know, to a city you think has more stuff going on. You know? It's like if you, what, you want to hop on a plane for four hours to do something fun? I mean, that's great, too. But you can also do that here because it's right under your nose. Casey by Sari is brought to you by our sponsor, Tap Intuit Fitness. Justine Tapp won Best Personal Trainer in KC Magazine's Best of KC 2023. Justine offers a variety of training, so you can find what works best for you. I've taken classes with Justine and can attest to her amazing ability to motivate and support in your fitness journey. Now is the perfect time to start thinking about your goals, and Justine can help you reach them. For podcast listeners, your first session is free when mentioning KC by Sari. For more information, visit www.tapintuitfitness.com and schedule your first session. Is there anything exciting coming soon to the brewery? Any new beer releases? Anything special that you are currently working on? Yes. Yeah, we've got several really big projects going right now. One I mentioned earlier is the festival we're putting on. It's called Hip Hop's Hooray. That'll be September 28th. It's a beer, music, food festival. It'll happen right behind our building here. Um, And then more kind of close to where we are now, we're releasing a collaboration with Andre's Chocolate and Black Pantry. Yeah, so we this is the first time, I'm not sure when this drops, but um, that was the first time we've announced that. So that will come out right before Valentine's Day. Um, And then we'll be be in festivals, you know. Uh, We got invited to Brew with the Zoo again. We got invited to Boulevardia again. we're in West Bottom Spear Festival, I think that's what it's called, and several other, we've got a lot of things cooking, yeah, and then we'll have a birthday party June 30th, too, um, we'll probably make that annual, um, coming up for Mardi Gras, we've got a, a dance party planned, so yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff going on. How, how does that feel, just to say you weren't planning your business birthday party? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty great, to be honest with you, I mean, it took a long long road to get here long winding road full of blood sweat and tears um lots of tears lot no not not much blood definitely lots of sweat um and so to to be here um has been has been pretty remarkable and to see the response and not only just like from people that were initially excited about us but the people that continue to come back and say things like man this is one of my top breweries now like i'm i love you guys this beer because the product is good like it's you know, I, I'm not a brewer. My partners are the brewers, so you know, I'm. And I won't lie to them. I'm like, oh, 
don't know about that one, you know, like, and we just haven't had a beer like that yet. So I think we're really blessed with um, a lot of talent on this team and not, a, not only just from the leadership side of things, but also our beer stars, which are our beer tenders, um, folks that are the face of the brewery. You know, they come, when people come in, they, they're greeted with a smile. We, we, we like to make sure that they have all the tools that they need to, you know, do their job really well and also be happy here. And, um, you know, as the months roll on, you, you'll see start to see more of how they incorporate into just the business and their ideas. You know, our hop water that you're drinking was named by one of our beer stars. It's called Drop It Like It's Hops. So, you know, a lot of creativity abounds with this company. And, you know, I'm hoping that we can continue to, to leverage the brand to give people with more ideas, more opportunities. That's why I wanted to do it personally um, as a musician, as somebody that personally needed to leverage a brand, but also my friends that have really great ideas or really great music, um, you know, and not just come here and do a show, come here and do a listening party or have let's have a Q&A. You know, uh, a friend of mine's moving to, uh, moving to LA and she's, uh, her name's Love Macy. She's an R&B singer and the day or this um, Saturday, you know, she's going to have a show, her last show in Kansas City. I'm like, let's do a Q&A, like a meet and greet. That way people can kind of know a little bit more before you move on and hear about what your plans are and stuff like that. So having that space is um, pretty important to us as a brand. It's really embedded into the DNA to be a community center, a community catalyst, also be a place where inclusivity is for first and foremost. You know, as African-Americans, we know what it's like to walk into a room and not feel welcome. So to be able to offer a space where everyone can feel like at home and, um, you know, and make sure that not only from, you know, from the customer facing side, we have that lockdown, but also our beer stars and want to make sure that they also feel included. So all that's really huge. I mean, you know, those are really big things that were huge on our list that we wanted to accomplish. I feel like we're we're, we're doing pretty good at that. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think you can say wholeheartedly in the first year of being open that you guys have been so successful and succeeded at so many things mm -hmm. and have set such high goals for yourself. But as you said, like, the community is loving you guys and is continuing mm -hmm. to love you guys. And I hope that continues to happen. I'm excited to see where you guys continue to go, the collabs you continue to do, because mm -hmm. what you've already done in a short amount of time. I'm sure sometimes as a business owner, it feels like years and years, but in the yeah. scheme of things, it hasn't been that long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's really impressive and amazing just to see what you guys have been able to do, especially being in such an historic location and in this building. Mm -hmm. I love this, but I love the stone. I mm -hmm. hope any listener of the podcast, if you haven't been yet, obviously come running over here, but like just mm -hmm. the space and I, I just think it's so great and it's so cool to see what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a testament to the Kansas City spirit. Kansas City, um, it's, it's, you know, it's really, we're really a reflection of, of what's possible with Kansas City. We know that Kansas City has the spirit where, you know, if you're doing something cool and you're crushing it and you believe in it, people also start to believe in you and they'll support you. And I think it's, you know, also, you know, a sign that this city is ready to come together. This is, a, you know, a very diverse tap room. So we we get all walks of people that come through here. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe the ratios are a little bit, you know, skew one way one, during cer- certain times, but then at one hour it might flip or, you know, a next minute it might be mixed. And I really think that's, that's awesome. So um, I'm hoping more spaces can, can, you know, kind of use this blueprint um, and to, you know, have a kind of a socially driven or a socially conscious uh, business. I think it's a huge opportunity. And honestly, I think a lot of people are having, like, have an appetite for it. Um, it's not, I don't think it's enough to just have good beer. I don't think it's enough to just have, um, you know, a good logo. You need a story and you need a way to, for people to connect with it. So, yeah, shout out to Kansas City. Plug all the social media. Where can people follow mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. and your music as well? Like, give yeah. all of the social media handles and where people can find your music, mm-hmm. Vine Street Brewery, all the things. Yeah, totally. So, you can find Vine Street Brewing um, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, X, aka Twitter, um, and Threads. We're on all of those. <laughs> so, yes, that's my job. Um, and you can find us at Vine ST Brewing. That's typically on across the platforms. Um, and then you can find us on the website at vinestbrewing.com. Um, you can email me at kimmit at vinestbrewing.com. Uh, and then as far as my personal brand goes, you can find me at kimmit, K-E-M-E-T, Coleman. Um, and that's across all socials. And then you can find my music pretty much anywhere you stream music. Uh, as well as on Bandcamp if you want to purchase it. So. Okay, but this was so so cool. And again, thank you for having me in your space. This was great to your time. Thank and you. sharing your story. Of course, yeah. yeah. Be sure to follow Vine Street on social media and check out their awesome space on Vine Street. Casey by Siri comes out every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to hear more behind-the-scenes stories of Kansas City. For more Casey content and podcast updates, follow me on Instagram at Casey by Siri. See you next week. I say